Welcome to another podcast from Generations Church. We trust you will be encouraged today. Uh, we got a great lady coming up. Her name's Christy Sutherland. Just welcome her up. Uh, every time she speaks, every time she speaks, you can you know God's speaking through her. And uh, for people that don't know Christine, she's a hard worker. There's a lot of things that go behind the scenes that people don't see. So thank you, Christine, for that. And I'm excited to hear what God has. Okay, let's uh, let's pray first, because. Um because I think that's just a great place to start. God, we invite you here. We invite you into this time. And God, we, we soften our hearts. We open our ears. And we want to hear from you. God, would you speak this morning? And anything, God, that's not of you, would that just fall to the side this morning? And God, I just pray over the ears that are hearing those that need to hear, God, that there'd be a response in their souls, in their spirits, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm wrapping up our uh, relationship series, and today the message is called, You Determine the Depth. And I know that might sound tricky for some. We might think other people determine the depth of the relationship we're in with them, or we might think right now that the government and the restrictions gets to determine the depth of our relationships, but that's not true. Um, so I, the reason I get to speak on this is because um, God has walked me through a lot of change, a lot of healing, a lot of renewal in, in my relationships, in my ability to form relationships and go deep and... Uh, uh, I just want to reflect back when I was first here, when we first arrived a little over five years ago now, when God called us here, um, I remember being excited, I remember um, being thrilled to be here, and the people were great, and the, the preaching was excellent, and the worship, just, I cried every time, but, but there was one thing that was really hard for me. We'd spent 11 years at, at our previous church, and now we were starting from scratch with relationships, and that felt hard. And I really wanted those 11 years to count for something over here. Like, I really wanted all the work that had happened before and the, the experiences and the shared time with other people to, to count over here, but, but it just didn't. And Pastors Travis and Amy kept talking about time over time, and it takes time. And, and honestly, I grew kind of annoyed with this phrase because I didn't want it to take time. I wanted to fast track. I wanted to be there already. I wanted to move that forward a little faster than it should. And so, um, so that, was, that was a hard thing for me. But, but one of the things that stood in my way from making relationships in that season or got really hard was that I had a lot of expectations. I wanted to rush things. I was dealing with some shame. It was actually a really hard and traumatic season in our life when we walked into this church. And, and, and it was hard because we didn't have the close relationships here yet. And I remember testing people 
sitting out on that bench over there and waiting to see who will notice me, who's going to come talk to me, but also being told later on that my demeanor did not say, come and talk to me. My demeanor said, <laughs> like it was just not an approachable, it was not an approachable way to sit there. And um, it took me a while, and then um, about a year, a little over a year, I had a very honest conversation with a few ladies that their friendship was growing, and I, I said, like, I feel like I'm annoying, or I feel like something's wrong, or I feel like there's just this barrier. And it was revealed to me that the shame and the rejection that I'd built up in my life, that I had put on me throughout my life was causing me to be unable to get vulnerable and to build healthy relationships. And so this shame and rejection of unhealthy relationships had left their mark. And, and I guess it should be no surprise that this will impact our ability to cultivate and deepen relationships in the future unless we confront these issues. And we'll stay broken and being in healthy relationships will just be harder and there'll be more obstacles in the way. I want us to go um, to Genesis chapter 3. I want to talk through a, a little bit about God's example of relationship in this story. All right, so I've got Genesis chapter 3 in the Amplified version, and I, I like some of the, the differences that the Amplified does. But So now the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in deceit than any living creature in the field which the, God, which the Lord God had made. And the serpent, Satan, said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat from the fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. And God said, that God said, you shall not eat from it or touch it, otherwise you will die. But the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not die, for God knows that on the day you eat from it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness, and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to look at, and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise and insightful. She took some of its fruit and ate it. She also gave some to her husband with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of the two of them were opened, that is, their awareness increased, and they knew that they were naked, and they fastened fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool afternoon breeze of the day, so the man and his wife hid and kept themselves hidden from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord God called to Adam and said to him, Where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid myself. And God said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat? So the first thing that I really just want to latch on there is the walking in relationship. 
It says that God was walking in the garden. And Adam and Eve recognized the sound of him walking in the garden. This was familiar to them. This was typical for them. They knew that God walked with them. They knew he was present. I love that God walked the earth with them. I've often thought, like, how did, how did we learn how to do that? How did we learn to build fire? How did we learn all these things, how, what, what plants taste good and which ones to make into tea or which ones we're whatever. But, but I love that God walked with them for a season, and he would have shown them around. He let Adam name all the animals, and they had conversation. They had time over time together, and they were in close relationship. And we can learn from this example by spending time with people over extended periods of time. And that's what develops and deepens a relationship. Some things just can't be fast-tracked. We learn things about each other over time and shared experiences. Walking through trials and heartache bonds us. When we're in close community, we have the ability to walk through things, bounce ideas off each other, to get perspective and fresh eyes. We can share and grieve and celebrate together. We're built for this. We're built for community. We're not built to be living in isolation. Isolation just feels like such a trigger word right now. It's just so commonly used. We talk about it all the time, who we know that's in isolation right now. And that's got to be the hardest part of this past year. And I think we all need to guard against being withdrawn and pulling out of community in this season. COVID and isolating has put some hurdles in the way, and it's easy right now to believe that we're missing out or intentionally being left out and forget that we're all missing relationship and the way that it used to be. But we still have the ability to call someone, to phone, to text, to go for a walk, whatever you need, ask for it. The longer that you wait to do that, the harder and the more awkward it begins to get. I've, I've learned this the hard way of being willing to ask for what I need. I need time with my friend. I need a phone call. I need to see your face. Can we FaceTime? Let's go for a walk. Reading through this passage, Genesis 3, I was really struck by God's response. He could have had all kinds of responses. Could have gotten angry. Could have walked away. I think there's something very valuable to learn in the way he responds. He leans in. God is not of, uh, unaware of where they are. So when he calls out, where are you, he's not asking their physical location. He's not saying, which shrub are you behind? He knows. Psalm 139 says, he knows when we're sitting and when we're standing, he knows our every thought. He knows where they are. He's inviting them into conversation. He knows what's happened, and yet his response is to seek them out and discuss. Let's talk about this. And he must have been sad. His heart was broken. 
and he was grieved at the breaking in relationship, and yet he doesn't walk away from them. But I think when we're hurt or we're wronged or even when we perceive we've been wronged, we need to remember this example. We need to not pull out. We need to not walk away. We need to not create distance. We need to lean in. And where are you? The where are you that God says can be for us, hey, I miss you. Hey, I sense some distance between us. Something seems off. Or it can be, I want to check in. I want to see how you're doing. And we need to let those feelings of something is missing be a check engine light that pushes us to reach out, to build a bridge, and to reconcile or renew the friendship. There's risk in relationship when the other person has a choice. We can't control how they're going to respond, but it doesn't mean we don't try. People don't always act or say or do the things we want or how we would do them or what we anticipated, but God knew the risk factor when he created us, and he did it anyway. We need to be willing to, to build relationship despite the risk factor. Now, I mentioned before that, that shame was, was a barrier for me. It was, it was getting in the way of building relationship. So I want to talk back to their, their eyes being opened and they were naked. They were made aware that they were vulnerable, exposed, bare. Back at Genesis chapter 2, it says, the man and his wife were naked and were not ashamed. Before the breaking of relationship, Adam and Eve were naked. They were exposed, vulnerable, and they were not ashamed of it. When we are in relationship and something happens that causes a break, we can be stuck, struck by this temptation to fight or flight. And honestly, I think we usually choose flight. When something about us that's a little ugly, our sin, our brokenness is revealed in relationship, we want to cover up. We'll create space in the relationship, a little distance, avoid the person or the topic, which only further breaks down the relationship. When our vulnerabilities, insecurities, and fears are revealed in a relationship, we share something intimate. This can also cause us to want to hide. We'll second-guess ourselves for having shared. We'll feel embarrassed. We'll convince ourselves we're, we're the only ones experiencing this. We're too much, and we'll hide. We'll avoid that group or that setting. We'll avoid the person we were vulnerable with because fear and shame tells us we need to hide. In the garden, once their nakedness was, was revealed to them, Adam and Eve experience shame. They're attacked by shame and immediately attempt to cover it up. And the shame attack will convince us we're not good. We're not good at this thing. We don't measure up. And it causes us to want to cover up by either people-pleasing, making sure everyone likes us, performing, got to do a good job, 
perfecting. We can't be seen to make a mistake. We have to control our environment, our outcomes, our situations. But people-pleasing, performing, and perfecting all lead to shallow relationships. We can't go deep if we're afraid of being seen or known. Now, I quickly want to discuss the difference between guilt and shame. Guilt says you have a problem, you did something wrong. Shame will say you are a problem, you are something wrong. And shame gets tied to our worth and will convince us we're not worthy or we're inadequate. See, Adam and Eve constructed coverings for themselves out of fig leaves. I've never, I've never tried to make clothes out of leaves, but I remember as a kid constructing things, maybe a crown or, or something, and, and what I do know is they won't last and it won't cover for long. The fig leaves is us trying to cover up our shame, cover up our excuse, with excuses, justifications, and avoidance. Shame will keep us distant even though we long for intimacy. God tells them that something has been broken and there are consequences, but he provides the covering. He provides the clothes for Adam and Eve, but more importantly for us, he provides Jesus as our covering. So we don't have to hide behind excuses and justifications or even fear and shame. We have the covering of Jesus available to us now, and through that lens, we're blameless, spotless, whole, valued, and loved, and able to be in relationship. I want to share a quick story, something that happened in our family this week, and I got my, my son's permission to share with you. So this week, Ewan was out playing with a neighbor kid, and they were building a tunnel in some of the snow. And just by accident, Ewan happened to dig and shovel and hit the other kid in the face. It was an accident. We've been there. I'm sure we've all been there. It was an accident. And Ewan came bursting through the door, tearful. He'd run away. The adults had arrived on the scene, and he ran away. He didn't explain to the adults what was was happening. He was too afraid, and he was too afraid of being in trouble, and he came in ashamed. And we were able to explain to him, you're going to have to go back. You're going to have to lean into this awkward and messy conversation, because if you don't, this relationship gets harder to have. The next time you go outside, you might avoid this kid. You might come back inside. And we explained to him, you need to go make it right. You need to go back and explain and to apologize. And he went over with the covering of his father. Tyler walked him over, let you and explain what had happened, apologize. And then afterwards, Tyler had the opportunity to express his pride and pleasure at Ewan's bravery and his willingness to restore relationship. And the next day, the boy and his dad showed up at our doorstep and let Ewan know that he was okay and could Ewan come out to play. 
and the joy in Ewan's eyes that relationship had been restored. Everything was okay. He'd faced the awkward, he'd leaned into the tricky conversation, and relationship was mended. And with the help, information, and the covering of his parents, he was able to overcome the shame and return to relationship, even though the temptation had been great to run and hide. So I want to discuss the difference between barriers and boundaries. See, a barrier is meant to bar passage. It prevents entry. A boundary defines the limits and sets expectations. Shame is a barrier to relationship. It prevents us from being in it, from being real in it. A refusal to lean into the messy and awkward conversation is a barrier for deep relationship. Being unwilling to call and ask for what you need is a barrier. Being unwilling to be vulnerable, open and honest with your real life is a barrier to deep community. But there is a need, and sometimes it's wise and healthy for us to create boundaries in relationships. Sometimes there's a need for us to protect and to guard ourselves. Sometimes it's not safe or wise to be in close relationship with certain people. There are times we need to guard in order to continue to be in relationship, there has to be specific boundaries. And boundaries help us to navigate what we will and what won't do, what we will and what we won't do, what is and is not okay. When we are navigating a reactive personality, so let's say Adam, who God asks this and immediately is blame shifting. If that's the response that we get when we pursue and we lean into the mess, it is appropriate to define boundaries. If someone pushes our fight-or-flight response, it is appropriate to define boundaries. God does this with Adam and Eve. He starts out with conversation, brings them into conversation, and covers them. But there's still consequences. God redefines the relationship. He lays out to them the way things are now going to go. And then he limits their access. At the end of Genesis 3... <coughs> We read that God has identified the problem. There's potential for future trouble, and he drives Adam and Eve out of the garden, and he posts guards at the entrance. And this is actually an act of mercy. God wants to maintain relationship, but he knows if they eat from the tree of life in their current state, that can't happen. Since COVID, I'm sure we're all too familiar with lineups and feeling corralled. If you have been to Costco, you know. <laughs> Their boundaries change every time you go. We went there yesterday and we had to walk the length of the building three times, like just to get in. So every store right now has their own method and Costco's it just seems like it's so busy and and when it's not well then they'll readjust they'll adjust the ropes and make it a little easier to accommodate the slower traffic 
Our boundaries are similar. They can fluctuate based on need. And they are likely different for different people. Sometimes they need to be quite firm and we need to stand our ground. Boundaries are good when we use them wisely, when we're predictable, even when the other person is not. Boundaries are a safeguard and they are an act of mercy that allows us to stay in relationship while we limit people's access to us, our information, and our time. Ultimately, though, the goal of boundaries is to reconcile and restore relationship. Let me be clear, there are definitely times where this is not going to happen, either because it isn't safe or it isn't wise, and that relationship will not be restored this side of heaven. But we need to ask ourselves the question, what will my response produce in the long run? If I put up a blockade and refuse to confront the awkward or the hurt, eventually that produces bitterness and avoidance, and that played out in the long run changes the person I'm meant, meant to become. It changes who I am. And eventually the person uh, become a person I didn't mean to become and causes patterns I didn't intend to create. When you're identifying boundaries and leaning into the mess, it's about creating health in the relationship. And it also allows you to stay you. It allows you to decide how you want to respond. Creating boundaries means you already know your worth and your value, and you have decided how you will respond to future interactions. So that when something difficult comes along, you don't have to be unmoored. You can remain anchored and not be sent reeling. See, boundaries were a tricky thing for me to put in place. I felt, they felt unkind or unloving. And I would be told that my boundaries were a sign that I was unwilling to forgive, that I was angry. Thankfully, because of some great healthy relationships here within the church, I was able to discuss with safe and trusted friends, and they were able to reassure me that my boundaries were good and necessary. When you live in community, and experience an intimacy and relationship, the benefits are that those people are willing to walk with you in the hard things, the sad things, and the happy things too. They're a safe place to share, be vulnerable, and bounce ideas. Because of the boundaries that God put in place and his willingness to lean in so far into the mess, as to give his only son, we are now more equipped for relationship because we've been redeemed for relationship with him. And we can, by the influence and guiding of the Spirit, follow his example of walking in relationship, leaning into the mess when it gets tricky or messy, and setting appropriate boundaries. If you're carrying shame, if you feel like you're a problem and there's something wrong with you, if you want freedom from that, would you, would you come for prayer today? You don't have to walk in that anymore. You can have freedom in that. You can experience depth in relationship. God wants you to know your worth. 
He wants you to see you through his eyes. If you're walking in a tricky relationship, whether a friend, a parent, a sibling, spouse, whatever it is, would you come for prayer? We want to affirm in you your desire to walk in healthy relationship, mutually beneficial relationship. It's hard to set boundaries. It's hard to be vulnerable. And it's hard to lean in. But it's so, so worth it. And it's what we're made for. Let me just pray over you. God, we thank you for your example of how to walk this out with broken people as we are broken people. To learn how to walk in relationship and lean in when it's tricky or even before it gets too tricky, God to lean in when there's a check engine light that alerts us. And I pray, God, over those experiencing shame that you would free them from that bondage today. I pray, God, over the relationships and generations church that you would continue to build unity and strength and oneness and health in this body. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us in another podcast from Generations Church. If you enjoyed listening today, please subscribe to our podcast channel to get a new one each week. For additional information or to partner with us, please check out our website at www.genchurch.ca.